All right, so we have our final speaker of the afternoon who almost needs no introduction as he is considered one of the most, yes. He is considered one of the most influential thinkers, writers, and speakers in America. He is a nationally syndicated talk show host heard across the country on nearly 400 affiliates around the world via the internet. He is the founder of Prager University, the most viewed conservative video site in the world. One billion views a year, more than half by people under the age of 35, which is awesome. He is a New York Times best-selling author of nine books on subjects as varied as religion, happiness, morality, the left, Islamism, and America. And did you know that he periodically conducts symphony orchestras, including twice at the Walt Disney Concert Hall, where he most recently conducted the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? He has traveled to more than 130 countries and has lectured on all of the world's continents. He is an expert on communism, the Middle East, and the left. He did his graduate work at the Russian and Middle East Institutes of the Columbia University School of International Affairs. He taught Russian and Jewish history at Brooklyn College. He is deeply passionate about preserving America, the West, and the Judeo-Christian value system. And he is here today with us to talk about finding community in a world gone mad. Please put your hands together for Dennis Prager. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that was, uh, that was the whole day has been terrific. And uh, would you uh, give the appropriate, appreciative applause for Laura and for what has been done here? I missed my last hour of radio, traveled 90 minutes to get here, completely happy to do it for no money. And that's because I so appreciate what you're doing. So thank you for coming and uh, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, I appreciate that. And thank you, Alexis, is that correct? Yes, for the lovely introduction. There was a girl who introduced me at the Colorado University at Boulder one year, many years ago, when they still invited conservatives. And uh, she got up and she had notes written in front of her. And <laughs> it wasn't all that difficult to get it right because she had it prepared. She wasn't extemporaneously introducing me. But anyway, she announced that uh, this is the first time she is speaking publicly, which became clear uh, very, uh, very soon. So uh, she was reading something the LA Times, when it still allowed conservatives some free speech, said about me very early in my career, Dennis Prager is obsessed uh, with good and evil. And she read it as, Dennis Prager is uh, obsessed with doing evil. <laughs> so I had two reactions. One is, this is one of the great moments of my life. I can't, th these moments are truly worth it. Uh, the more you're, you're embarrassed, the better it is for later storytelling. I mean, that's just the way it works. Like I, when I went into the ladies' room in Budapest the first time I was in Hungary because the two signs said Nuk and Furfiak. How the hell am I supposed to know if I'm a Nuk or a Furfiak? Okay? All right. So I knew it would make a great story later, which it did. Uh, the, uh, so that was w one of my reactions. And the other was, how does she know? <laughs> how does she know I'm obsessed with doing evil? <laughs> I'm not, by the way, just for the record. I'm obsessed with causing trouble, but not with doing evil. Causing trouble to the people who do evil. That, uh, that, I, that does obsess me. Well, anyway, so, so listen to this. So uh, I actually honor requests. When I'm asked to speak on something, I actually speak on it. I don't have speech number 13 and give it no matter what the title is. So... This is the title that was given to me, Finding Community in a World Gone Mad. 
not exactly the world's most scintillating title. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I've decided to talk exactly on that, finding community in a world gone mad. So I'll talk to you about the world gone mad in the second part. And the first part, I want to talk to you about finding community. So many of you, I, I assume, have heard my radio show over the course of years. I've been on in Southern California 40 years and nationally 25. And thank you very much. And so uh, I have all of my life talked about everything, uh, literally everything. I, 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 I even did a, an hour on a subject, one of the few that truly bores me, women's shoes. I actually did an hour on it. I could prove how boring I find it because when I am walking on a, a street of stores, I will not notice a women's shoe store. It, it, it's a blur. It is as if nothing were there. So I have no reaction. But I am truly interested in even what I'm not interested in. So I did an hour on a woman who wrote a book on women and shoes, why women are, uh, I mean, not Imelda Marcos obsessed, but nevertheless uh, quite interested in shoes. So anyway, I'm interested in everything. And I have, as many of you know, a happiness hour for 23 years, which has touched a lot of lives, I'm happy to say. And I wrote a, I've written a book on happiness. One of the most important things for happiness is friends. And I've always defined friend. It's not enough to say friend because friend is as meaningless as God. When I know somebody believes in God, I know nothing about the person. Nothing. I don't know what God and I don't know anything about them or their character or their values. If you tell me you believe in God, it is completely uninformative. If you tell me you have friends, it is completely uninformative. For many people, friends <coughs> friends <coughs> are just buddies, people to go to the movies with, have dinner with, chit-chat, and so on. So I have a definition, by the way, of God, but I won't give it. That's not my topic. And I have a definition of friend. Someone to whom you can say anything. If you hide, they are not your friend because you are afraid of them. You are afraid that if you open up, they will no longer be your friend. Otherwise, why do you hide? And by the way, it's the same with your spouse. If you can't tell everything about yourself to your spouse, it's because you're afraid of your spouse. And, and I, I, I'm not trying to ruin any of your marriages. I'm trying to actually improve your marriage. But I, I, listen, I don't hide what I think from millions of people on the radio. I'm certainly not going to hide it from my wife. Uh, 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 in fact, a guy called my show, and it, is such, it's such, it was such a profound statement. I, he said, Dennis, I have the perfect word to describe you. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. Only God knows what I'm going to hear. But okay, what is it? He goes, you, Dennis, are transparent. And I said, that is entirely accurate. I am transparent. What you see is what you get. That is exactly right. And what, oh, I didn't, thank you. I'm not saying it to compliment me. I'm saying so you'll know me. That is true. Or as my wife puts it, Dennis has no black boxes. I don't. I may have boxes, but they're transparent too. Okay. So, uh, by the way, you'll love this. So, I got a, I, I mentioned in, uh, I'll never forget uh, where it was, uh, it was in Michigan at a speech, a fundraiser for PragerU. And my son, who works for PragerU, not because of nepotism, I didn't hire him. He's just incredibly gifted in raising funds, and we raised tens of millions of dollars. We thank God, because we use it well to influence young people. So anyway, he was there. He was at this uh, meeting of some wealthy donors in Michigan. And I mentioned this story about the guy who called me transparent. And then it was David's, my son's turn to speak. And he goes, what my father did not tell you is what a challenge it was being raised by a transparent I don't recall laughing that long publicly in my life. I, I do believe I fell over, if I'm not mistaken. He, 
By the way, I have another theory on that. I have a theory on a lot of things, as you probably know. My theory is I don't. I am happy if my son exceeds me in every area, in, in, in success, in happiness, in wealth, in everything. Just one I want to retain. I don't want him to be funnier than me. That pisses me off, I have to tell you. And he, he is a real candidate for, for that position. So that, that I just had to add because it, it did bug me how funny that line was and how spontaneous it is. Anyway, uh, the, the point is to be transparent to your friends and to your spouse. And people are afraid to. So when I say you need friends, getting back to the speech, it was a long traveled road away from the topic, but it's fine. These life is filled with other traveled roads. And uh, I can't, I cannot, I could not have been happy in my life without friends. And I'll really be transparent. I did not grow up in a particularly uh, loving home. I was not abused. My parents were terrific human beings. I mean this quite sincerely. But that generation was not effusive. Many were not effusive in their love. And, and that, was, that was the way it was. So what did I do? I didn't complain. Uh, I sought love from male friends and got it. I have had incredibly close friendships since sixth grade. There's always been at least one incredibly deep relationship in my life with, with, a, with a guy. And uh, that has been true to this day. Now it's couples as well as guys. And, of course, my wife. So I don't know how you get through life without friends, but I do know this from the Happiness Hour. Vast numbers of Americans, especially men, don't have close friends. And I, 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 my heart breaks for them. They call up and they go, how do I find one? And, and for you know what? All of my 40 years on radio, I've had an answer. You should date for friends the way you dated for a spouse. You should give as much concentration in finding friends for women, women, for men, men, and for couples, couples. You should give as much attention to finding friends as you did to find a spouse. That's how important I consider it. So this topic, finding community in a world gone mad, is you, you number one, you have to find kindred spirits. So that's, that's number one is a person you could tell anything to, and that means the person is a kindred spirit. If you have friends who differ with you and who do think men give birth, and I'm not being cute, if I'm not asking you to drop that friendship, and certainly if it's a relative, I'm not asking you to drop that love. But I am saying it's very hard to be close to that person. That's just a fact. If you think men give birth, the gap between us is, is, is sort of unbridgeable. If you think, as AOC said this week, that the Marine who put the guy in a chokehold who was threatening the people on the train, a guy with 44 arrests and oh, it was only 30 years old, you think he's a murderer. You and I have nothing in common. I think he's a hero. So it's clear. One of us is wrong. He can't be both. Murderers are not heroes. So th this is a, a very a sad but important fact. I get calls a lot and I get questions from people. Well, you know, Dennis, can't we just find a middle road? I mean, we're, we're left and right can agree on, on certain issues. Yes, that was true when I was a kid. When, when Republicans and Democrats differed on the means but not the ends. Now we agree on nothing, nothing. We have nothing in common. You hate this greatest country ever devised, and I love the greatest country ever devised. Simple as that. You think America is systemically racist. I think it's the least racist country with multi-races in the history of Earth. And you know who agree with me? The four million blacks who moved here from Africa and the Caribbean. Why would they move to a systemically racist country? Are they stupid? Ask, ask your liberal relatives. Are the four million blacks who moved to America in the last few decades stupid? Did any Jews move to Germany in the 1930s? How come? How come? Because they weren't stupid. 
because Germany was systemically racist and anti-Semitic. That's why. So they didn't move there. They live the world of the lie. So we have nothing in common. I want you to keep your kids in your life. I want you to keep your parents in your life, your cousins in your life, your, your siblings. But don't fool yourself. You don't have much in common. And I'm sorry to say this. That's why you need kindred spirits in your life. You've got to find them. How do you find them? Number one, get out of the closet. Most Americans with our values are in the closet. You would not know this term, but as you heard uh, briefly noted, I taught Russian and Jewish history at Brooklyn College in my 20s. And I, I've written a book on anti-Semitism. So I have some expertise in that arena. There was a group during the Spanish Inquisition when, when Jews were terribly persecuted for, for being uh, Jews, a lot of Jews in Spain hid that they were Jewish. They were Catholic in public practice and they were Jewish in private practice. To this day, there are uh, Catholics in, in South America who light candles on Friday night, and they don't know why. And then they, they discover later, because their ancestors were Jews, who would lit, lit Shabbat candles Friday night, Sabbath candles, and they, they don't know why they're doing it. These were called Muranos, Jews who hid their Judaism and practiced it privately, but publicly were Christians. American conservatives are Muranos, privately conservative and publicly leftist, woke, whatever it might be. And by the way, I'm, I, I don't blame them any more than I blame the Jews in, in Spain. It's, it, you, could, you could lose your job. You could be hated by every single other teacher at your school if you're a teacher, by every doctor at your children's hospital, if you come out and say, you know what? We are sacrificing children the way the ancients did. We believe in child sacrifice. Who the hell are we to condemn Muslims who practice clitoridectomies, the removal of a girl's clitoris uh, at, at age 10 or whatever age they do? When we remo remove girls' breasts at the age of 16 or 18 because she says she's a boy, but she's not a boy. You are just an abuser, but she is not a boy. You are a sick doctor. You're a sick puppy. You're a bad human being. So you say that at a children's hospital, and you are dirt. You, you, you may well lose your job, and you will certainly lose your colleagues. And it's true in almost every arena of work. My wife and I... <coughs> My wife and I had the lunch just a few weeks ago with a Hollywood actor. He's in, in a feature film, that's all I'll say, and uh, he's, he's magnificent, and we were very happy to meet them because we saw the film and we loved it. He and his wife, we had a lunch with them in Pasadena, and uh, I, I asked him what I always ask people who have my values tend to have lunch mostly with people who share my values. <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, you, have, uh, you have friends? You're in Hollywood, you have friends? Oh, I have a lot of friends. Oh, really? And, and do they know you're conservative? Not one, Dennis. I'll never, I, 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 I almost uh, blurted out my food. I, I mean, not one of his friends in Hollywood knows what he thinks. This guy's a Murano. It's an amazing thing. And there are a lot of conservatives who live that life, whatever their field. It's not just Hollywood. It's almost anywhere. So I, I'm telling you, though, that it's worth risking alienation to be open. And I'll tell you why. When you're in the closet... It's true, you're hidden from enemies, but you're equally hidden from friends. Who the hell is going to befriend you if you're hidden in the closet? That's what you need to know. 
And I'll give you a really dramatic story uh, uh, in that regard. I'm just curious, are any of you familiar with the podcast I do with this 23-year-old girl, Dennis and Julie? So a few of you are. You, you would love it, and your kids would love it. It's, it's, it's really it's unique in my life. I have never co-hosted anything. It's always been the Dennis Prager show, as it were. But she's a find. And how I found her is, is its own story. Well, I'll tell you the story because it's germane to what I'm about to tell you. I got a letter three years ago. In the midst of the lockdowns, I never say COVID. COVID was irrelevant. The lockdowns were everything. So uh, during the lockdowns, I got a letter. I got an email. And it said, a student at Harvard, you changed my life. Now, I, I'm as given my transparency reputation, let me tell you, if, the, if it had said, University of Idaho student, you changed my life, I would have opened it. Any college student said, you changed my life, I'd have opened it. The Harvard made me more curious, but not more likely to read the email. I just want you to understand that. But anyway, I'm just telling you what the email title was. So I read it, and, and she had read uh, my, my book on the left. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Still the Best Hope, The Case for American Values. And it's, it's a, the biggest part of it is, is about the left. And it, it ch changed her thinking. Then she watched PragerU videos, and, and the rest is history. She also lives in Southern California by sheer chance. And because there was no school because of lockdowns, I wrote her back, said, why don't you visit the show? We're in Glendale, California. And she's in, um, I think, what is it, Palos Verdes? Where is she, Sue? Palisades. I knew it was Palos something. Yeah, that's... I'm only here 36 years. Okay. So anyway, so she, so she, I said, come and visit the show. I'd like to meet you. She was 20. She came to the show. We started talking during uh, uh, commercial breaks. And then I said to her, I said, you know, it's quite a story about how I and PragerU touched your life. I'd like the listeners to hear that. Are you willing to come on the show and tell your story? But I'm very honest, and I said to her, I just got to warn you, you come on the Dennis Prager show and say these things, you're going to lose friends, maybe some relatives, and not be the most popular girl on campus at Harvard. I just need you to know that. I sufficiently frightened her. So she said to me, and I was very touched, she said, can I call my mom? I know, your reaction was perfect. That is that is how I felt. Oh. That is so sweet. I, I, frankly, I can't imagine that at 20 I would have said, can I call my mom? Uh, so I was very touched. Anyway, daughters are more likely to do that than sons. Anyway, a, you know, a kid who says, can I call my mom? And he's a boy. Uh, you have a few masculinity concerns. I, I admit it, I have to say. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I just had to come out with that. So anyway... So she goes out, calls her mom, and, and then she comes back in, <coughs> and she says, I'm coming on. I go, great. So she came on. We spoke for a while, half hour, whatever it was. Six months later, she comes back on the show. And I say to her, so was my prediction right? And she says, I want you to know after you're coming on your show, I had two weeks of hell. I'll never forget her response. Two weeks of hell. Exactly what you said happened. Girlfriends that I had since first grade just dumped me from their Facebook page, dropped me, no longer talking to me. I, I felt uh, some coldness at, at back at school. Uh, I didn't lose any relatives, but some relatives were not particularly happy with me. Two weeks of hell. I said, okay. I'm sorry. What happened after two weeks? And then she said, I went to heaven. This is why I'm telling you the story for that line. Why did you go to heaven? She said, all these wonderful people came into my life who never would have known of me had I not gone on your show. And that's what I'm telling you. 
the good folks of this world, there are millions of good folks in California. We're not not living in Manhattan. (laughs) This is a really very important thing for you to realize. There are a lot. Just alone, there are 8 million Republicans in California, more Republicans than in any other state. Of course, it's because it's the largest state, but so what? It's like, it's like the young women, you know, I get, try to get everybody married. I, the first thing I asked, anybody under 30 is, are you married? And can I f- try to help you find somebody? Okay. So as I always say, they, oh, it's so hard to find somebody. And I always remind them, you only need one. <laughs> Unless you're into polyamory. You don't know that term, do you? Yeah. You're a very conservative audience. So anyway, uh, so she... Uh, uh, th- you need to understand they're out there, folks. A lot of terrific people are out there. But if they don't know you're out there, you will not meet them. So that's my argument, her argument from going from hell. You will lose friends. There's not, there's no doubt in the world. But then they weren't friends, were they? It was a conditional friendship. Oh, you voted for Trump. You're not my friend. Do, we, do you have that? You voted for Biden. You're not my friend. You know how many kids don't speak to parents because they vote for, voted for Biden? Excuse me, voted for Trump? Do we have any in the other direction? If I met a kid who said, you know, Dennis, I don't speak to my father. He voted for Biden. I'd say, you're an asshole. <laughs> Forgive me, folks. I was the language I would use. That's why I said it. He is. It says, honor your father and mother in the Ten Commandments. It doesn't say depending on how they voted. There's no asterisk on politics. Okay, simple as that. That's what we believe. That is, that is, that is right. That you're right to applaud that. That is what we believe. So you need to understand that you have to come out of the closet in order for good people to find you. So that's my, that's my plea to you, to give that thought. You, you, will, you, will be, you will be hurt in your place of work. Okay? But look... If you're really going to be fired and you'll have no income, it's not my task to tell you, go, go penniless. And I mean that quite sincerely. I, I'm not fired for my positions. I, I, I've lost an, an immense number of people and, and so on. Um, I'm hated a lot. <laughs> I'm loved a lot. And I, and I know that. By the way, Prager theory number 4492A. If you let compliments go to your head, you will let insults go to your heart. I adopted that view very early in my life, and neither happens to me. The compliments don't go to my head, and the insults don't go to my heart. And that is the way you have to live your life. Because you can't, you can't only have one. If you'll have one, you'll have the other. So let's see. I want to see if I have done all of the uh, stories here. On, uh, oh yeah. One other thing, in light of being introduced by a, a, a recent college student, I've gotten this call for many years. A mother. It's usually a mother calling my show. What do I tell my son or daughter? I remember the daughter one. What do I tell my daughter? She says if she writes what she believes on an exam or in a paper, she'll get a, a, a much lower grade. So, and, and, and by the way, uh, Alexis had a very interesting solution. Write two papers. The lies the teacher wants and the truth that you know. That's a very interesting thing. <laughs> a, a, anyway, so... I said to her, look, I can't tell you, of course, what to tell your child, but you did call me. So I just want you to know this is what I, not your child's parent, would say to your child. If you are going to compromise on your principles for a grade in high school, when will you stop compromising on your principles? That's my belief. That is my belief. By the way, a very distinguished conservative, I won't say who he is, only because, and you'll all know who it is, only because I don't want you to think any less of him, and I don't, but 
we were both speakers at, at a hotel, and he said, I don't agree with Dennis. Write what the hell the teacher wants, get into a prestigious school, then you'll be able to fight the left with greater fervor and, and greater ability when you have a degree from some prestigious school than if you didn't get into the prestigious school because you wrote what you believed. So I want you to hear both sides of that argument. But in any event, uh, you, you, need, you need kindred spirits in your life. That is, that is my message of part one of my talk. Now, oh, I'll just give you one example, because you had mentioned in the first panel intentional communities. I had never heard that term. I have an intentional community. So I, I have Sabbath dinner, Shabbat dinner every Friday night with the same dozen people and people that I generally am the, the one who brings in the guests because I have a lot of acquaintances, uh, good, good folks that I bring there. In fact, Laura was there uh, one, one of these Shabbat dinners. And uh, I, we got together every week of the lockdowns except the first two weeks. We never missed a Friday night. And yes, it, 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 the, I can't tell you how healthy this was for my wife and me. Nothing changed in our life. I mean, things changed in that, you know, we couldn't go to our favorite restaurant. We had a, we had, they had to bring it out with gloves and a mask lest we die from their touch or their exhale. But basically nothing changed. We got together with the same dozen folks every Friday night. And it, 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 is, it, was, it was a sort of a salvation of, of my sanity to be able to do that. You need an intentional community. If I had another talk, I'd tell you you also need a Sabbath. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's another topic for another time. All right. Now the world, so world gone mad. The, the topic is finding community in a world gone mad. Now we'll talk about the world going mad. All right. Here are some examples. Men give birth. Medical schools no longer speak of men and women, but rather sperm producers and egg producers. Objective truth, according to the Oregon Education Department and the same Education Department in Ontario, Canada, <coughs> is white supremacist. If you believe there is one correct answer in math, that is a function of white supremacy. Slaves built America. I'll review all of these. I'm just giving you the examples of a world gone bad. America is systemically racist. We believe in free speech, but not for hate speech. That's mad. Saying that men should be allowed, biological men should be allowed to compete in women's sports is madness. It's mad. It's also evil. Defund the police and we'll have less crime. There you go. That's mad. That is a mad world. Segregation is anti-racist. All black dorms is anti-racist. That's what you're taught at college. It's a function of anti-racism. Race defines you. Capitalism is evil. Diversity is our strength. I'll, I'll review that. And Shakespeare should be replaced because he was a dead white European male. That's what happened at the University of Pennsylvania. So let me briefly go through these world gone mad common ideas. Do you realize that about a third to a half of this country agrees with all of these ideas? You realize how scary it is? Let me tell you something. I've gone through some serious, serious realizations in the last three years, all of them sad, I might say, all of them. The ease with which people could be taught to lie is frightening. It is just frightening. And, and these are examples. About half of college students do believe that it is wrong 
to ban a biological male from uh, a competition against women. To which the question obviously raises itself, then why is there women's sports? If men don't have an advantage in sports, why is there women's sports at all? And by the way, you will notice almost no feminist group has come to defend women. And I'll tell you why. And I said this 30 years ago. Feminism doesn't give a damn about women. Communism doesn't give a damn about workers. The NAACP doesn't give a damn about blacks. And uh, uh, the ADL doesn't give a damn about Jews. They all use the group to further their left-wing agenda. That's all they are. Feminist groups are left-wing groups that use women, just like environmentalist groups are left-wing groups that use the environment. That is it. That's all they are. They're all left-wing groups. A feminist group that says it's okay for a biological man to compete against women in women's sports clearly doesn't give a damn about women. Clearly. It should be utterly invalidating, but it isn't. National Organization for Women is just as big as it ever was, I presume. That's, that's, that, that's the absurdity. Men competing. And so I, 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 I'm using that as one of my examples, but I, I, I'm using it because I'm giving you one of my realizations of the last three years, the ease with which people can be taught to lie. If you say it's fair for a biological man to compete against women, you're lying. You may be lying to yourself. You may not know you're lying. And by the way, I actually think that's more dangerous. There is hope for the person who lies knowing they're telling a lie. There is no hope for the people who say a lie and believe it's true. There's no hope. They're gone. They're lost. I much prefer a liar to the person who believes his lies. There's a chance. You, can, you have a conscience to appeal to. These people believe this stuff. It's okay for men to compete. By the way, another realization, which is related to this, very few people fight. And folks, I, I'm, I'm not saying this in despair. I'm just saying it as a truth. That is why I have spent much more time in my life studying goodness than evil. I understand evil. I don't understand goodness. Evil is a lot more prevalent than goodness. It just is. If goodness were more prevalent, well, I'll tell you, wh I'll tell you just why. It takes courage to be good. It takes no courage to be bad. Okay? No courage. Every girl on the University of Pennsylvania swim team should have refused to swim. Simple as that. Against this, this uh, narcissist named Leah Thomas. It's a pure narcissist. I can screw around with women's sports and, and, and swim them into humiliation losses because I say I'm a girl. End of issue. And all the girls showed up to compete. If none of the girls showed up to compete, it would have ended it. But the University of Pennsylvania, and remember this, in order to be a college president, you must be a coward. You cannot be a university president if you are not a coward. You cannot be a dean if you are not a coward. You cannot work for diversity, equity, and inclusion if you are not a coward. It is the criterion for any college leadership position. If you have courage, you can't be a college president. You must be a wimp. That was true when I went to college. I remember when I was at Columbia in graduate school, early 1970s, a long time ago. And I remember kids took over the president's office because they were, they were against the war in Vietnam. And I remember thinking, they took over the president of the school's office. What did the president do? Nothing. He gave them cookies. I'm not joking. He brought out cookies. You invade my office and I give you cookies because I'm a wimp. I'm the president of Columbia. And it's only worse. Today it's wimp on, wimps on steroids. 
There is a legend in Judaism. It's a, it's, I was telling my wife just yesterday how this has really come to mean everything to me. I heard this when I was at Jewish school called Yeshiva, which I went to till I was 19, which is intense uh, religious education, half the day in Hebrew, half the day in English. And there is a legend. It's called the legend of the 36. And this is the legend that there are 36 righteous people on earth at any given time. And if the number ever goes down to 35, the world will be destroyed. It's a very touching legend. Uh, in fact, there's a, a great novel on it called The Last of the Just. You'll thank me for recommending it to you. And I remember hearing it in school and thinking, that's sweet, but it doesn't mean anything. They were right. It's amazing that there is always a handful of good people. It's hard to be good. It's easy not to be a criminal, but that doesn't make you good. It's hard to be good because it takes the rarest of human traits, courage. And that's an interesting question. Who has courage? So I, th I think that that, I've come to two answers. I tell you, these last three years have been an idea factory for me. There are two people, two types of people who have courage. Those who are born courageous, there are such people. And those who want to be courageous. On my fireside chat, my weekly fireside chat that I do for PragerU, and I've done almost 300, didn't miss one COVID year of time. And uh, a, a, the, the last uh, one I did, I get questions from young people around the world who, wa who watch. So some, some guy asked in, Dennis, how do, I, how do I become patient? And I have the same answer I have for everything. How do I become happy? How do I become religious? How do I become courageous? How do I become patient? You are what you want to be. That is the answer. It is as simple, literally as simple as that. If you want to be courageous, you'll be courageous. You're scared of flying? Get the hell on an airplane. Then you won't be scared of flying. That's it. That's, how, that's what you do. And if you need to bring three friends and who ply you with liquor, inject you with anti-anxiety uh, medicine, doesn't matter. Just do it. That is the answer. You are what you want to be, including happiness. That's correct. Now, if you have malfunction of the brain, I can't address that. But most people are not unhappy because of malfunctioning brains physiologically challenged. They are because of either their temperament uh, or, or life is hard, which it is for most people, or whatever the reason. Same thing, by the way, my, my attitude towards belief in God and becoming religious. I, I had no road to Damascus in my life. God has never appeared to me once. I'm sorry to say. I'm not that sorry to say. He appears to me in the Bible. It's fine. I'm, I'm, it's sufficient for me. So I write a Bible commentary called the Rational Bible. But uh, if you're waiting for God to appear to you to take God and, and the Bible seriously, you'll never, it'll never happen. You want to, t uh, I, my argument and my column this week is how to bring people to God and religion. I only use reason. I don't use faith to get people to faith. You are, I, I decided at a very young age, an, a, 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 a godless life is an empty life. So that's it. That was my decision. It was a purely rational decision. Let's say there's a 50-50 chance there's a God. Just 50-50. Fine. The 50 that there is a God is a much better choice for a better life. And that was it. So I have Shabbat dinner every Friday night because I made that choice. Otherwise, what would I have Friday night? Another night to work? Another night to be on the Internet? Another night to watch a movie? Another night to go out to a restaurant? And now what do I have? And I have two sons who take it seriously, which is an incredible joy to me. You are what you want to become.
it, it doesn't dawn on you one day. Courage doesn't drop from, from the sky. So anyway, I'm talking about the absurd, the, uh, the gone mad issues. So uh, men give birth. If, if 15 years ago somebody would have said to you, men give birth, you would have been certain you're talking to a, either a joker or a crackpot, someone deeply in need of psychiatric care, which might be hopeless in their case, right? And now, half of colleges, I would say more than half of students at college, and the more prestigious the college, the more likely they are to believe men give birth. Now, if they even said trans men give birth, okay, I don't believe men could become women or women could become men. I, it's not possible. You can feel you are, you can look like it, act like it, and that, that's it's a free country. Well, it, the left has its way. It won't be a free country. But nevertheless, to a certain extent, it still is. That's fine. But men give birth is a lie, is a gigantic lie, or men competing with women. Medical schools now do not say, increasingly medical schools do not say men and women. They say sperm, what is it, producers and egg producers. Medical schools. If medical schools are denying that there are men and women in the human species, we're in trouble. I feel bad for the next generation of Americans having to go to doctors who have been brainwashed into wokeism rather than science. Objective truth is white supremacy. I already told you that about Oregon and, and Ontario. One right answer is a white supremacist notion. Slaves built America. <coughs> That's up there with men, men uh, give birth. Slaves built America. So here's a good answer in case you're curious. One good answer, probably the best, is this. 304,000 blacks were brought over to America to be slaves. About six to 10 million were brought to Brazil. Just to keep, people don't know this because you never learn this in school, you learn nothing in school. But I just wanted you to know that the data, it, that, that journey was, is literally hell. And many died on the way, it, it, it's, it's horrific, the whole thing's horrific, obviously. But if slaves built America, and America is the, became the richest country in the world because of slaves, why isn't Brazil one of the richest countries in the world? They have no answer to that question. Because it's just a, a make, it's made up drivel that the reason America is, it was, it became as affluent as it did was because of slavery. The slave states were the poorest states. How do you account for that? The North was way richer than the South. Slave economies don't build wealth. If they did, the Russian Empire would have been the richest place on earth. The entire Russian Empire was serfs until the Russian Revolution, when they stayed serfs. Just, they were called comrades instead of serfs. But your kid, your kid goes to college or high school, they learn slaves built America. It's just not true. It's like, remember my other argument. Oh, really? If America is white supremacy, if, if, it's a, if, it's, uh, if, if it's a bigoted country against blacks, inherently, why do blacks move here in the millions? Ask, ask your kid that. And add it, the Jews moved to Germany in the 1930s. The odds are they won't even know what the hell you're talking about because they went to school and they learned nothing. I bet that 80% of of college students, if you said the Jews moved to Germany in the 1930s, would ask you why you're asking the question. Might as well say, did you know, did Hungarians move to Poland in the 1940s? They wouldn't know what you're talking about. Oh yes, free speech. So about half of America's students, half America college-age kids, or kids in college, not the same thing say they believe in free speech, but not for hate speech. They have not been taught to think. If you don't believe in free speech for hate speech, you don't believe in free speech. 
They don't. They literally don't understand what I just said. They don't understand it. It's not a matter of disagreeing. Of course, I believe in free speech, but not for hate speech. Then you don't believe in free speech. Hello. Welcome to Earth. Because what you call hate speech, the next guy thinks is good speech, and what you call, what he calls hate speech, you think is good speech. Free speech is free speech. Includes hate speech. That's correct. It includes hate speech. That is the way it works. That's up there uh, with men give birth. Defund the police. Um, that was precious. Not only is it good to defund the police, but it will lead to lower crime rates. That might supersede men give birth. I'm not sure. They, that, that's a tough competition for the absurd. Defund the police. They've tried that in, in many of our major cities. And take a look at what is happening. And the people they claim to care most about, minorities, suffer the most. By far, because of crime. And they don't give a damn. They don't give a damn. Black leaders don't give a damn about blacks. That is the way it is, folks. They give a damn about power, money, and being leftist and being liked by the local newspaper. That's what they care about. Tell me what they do for black people. Tell me what they actually have done to improve the lot of black people. Tell me what the Democratic Party has done to improve the lot of black people. The party of slavery has never done any good for the black person in society. And uh, the, uh, Tom Sowell, one of the greatest thinkers of the last generation, but not well known because he, he's a black conservative, one of the finest minds of the last hundred years. No, there's no question. And he just documents how with the, the left wing's war on poverty and great society, every statistic in black life deteriorated. They had more intact homes percentage-wise than whites did in the early part of the 20th century. And then the great society developed by left-wing Democrats or liberal Democrats arose. And that ended that and ended so much else. I have a question that I, I another one you should ask your liberal or, or left relative. Liberal and left are not the same. And that is, so let me ask you a question. What do you think would decrease crime more? More gun laws or more fathers? And I know what you think. You wouldn't be here if you thought more gun laws, I suspect. But I want you to ask that that way. And don't ask it as a, as in, in any aggressive way. Just say, adopt my motto. It's been my motto of my radio show all of my life. I prefer clarity to agreement. It's a great motto. By the way, it helps marriages too. If you could just figure out what are, what are we arguing about? Well, let, be, before we continue the argument, let's just be clear on what we're arguing about. It is amazing how you may realize, well, we really don't differ that much, do we? Uh, so do this with a friend or relative who, who is left of you. Just say, I'm only asking so that you understand a little of why we differ on some issues. I think more fathers would do more, much more to decrease crime than more gun laws. What do you think? That's it. This is not a challenge. It is not, you're not angry. You're curious. And it is. I would, be, I would love to know. I promise you I could predict their answer. They will avoid it. They go, well, it's not fair. What do you mean it's not either or or both are important? Okay, but it is either or. Let us imagine it is either or, okay, in, in such a world. Which do you think would do more to decrease violent crime? And let's see, capitalism is evil. That's what they learn. Capitalism is evil. The capitalism and only capitalism has raised billions of people from abject poverty. It is the greatest blessing to humanity ever developed in the realm of food and, and wealth. The, there is no other option. Nothing else has ever worked. But they don't care. They don't care. 
that's it. Because truth is not a left-wing value, as I say every day. Two more, diversity is strength. So this is a very interesting one that I've taken on in the recent past. Sounds good, doesn't it? Diversity is our strength. Well, the founders believed in it, e pluribus unum, from many one. We have no problem with diversity, we conservatives. We, we just want everybody to share basic American values, liberty, e pluribus unum, and in God we trust. And then we, it's irrelevant if you're black, white, Muslim, Jew, atheist, Christian, doesn't matter. If we share these values, we're fine. But uh, the diversity is strength, not inherently so at all. They always point out two things about Scandinavia. How, uh, because they don't have guns, they have such low crime rate. And they're the happiest countries in the world. Okay, let's assume that's true. Guess what? They're the least heterogeneous society. There's no diversity in Finland. Everybody in Finland is white, from Lutheran stock, speaks Finnish, and that's it. Okay? Did you ever meet a black Finn? I haven't, and I've traveled all, all over the world, including a number of times in Finland. Not, not many black Finns or Hispanic Finns or North African Finns. So, likewise, look up in America. The states with the least crime are almost all white. This is not an argument for whites. It's an argument for homogeneity. Japan has a very low crime rate. They're great. They're all J Japanese. You ever meet a white Japanese? Bet you didn't. There aren't any. That's the way it works. We let in both people from Vietnam. Japan didn't because they're not Japanese. They only allow Japanese to be Japanese. There's no crime rate there. So it has nothing to do with white, it has nothing to do with any color. It has to do with the lie that diversity is our strength. Diversity is only your strength if you share values. Otherwise, it's a big problem. We have tried to create the most diverse society in the history of the world and shatter the values that could unite us, then we're in trouble, and we're in trouble. And finally, from the realm of the absurd, the poster of William Shakespeare was removed from the University of Pennsylvania English Department. The greatest writer of English in the history of English, maybe the greatest writer on earth in history, since Shakespeare is translated into every language that has an alphabet on earth. Taken down because he was a dead white European male. That's, a, that's an Ivy League university, University of Pennsylvania. The English department does not celebrate the greatest writer of English because he was white, European, and male. So they put up a gay non-white, let's see, oh, she's a, there was, well, so if we have white, European, oh yeah, non-European, that's right, a Latinx, that's important, a Latinx, as they say it, female lesbian from the Caribbean. She has replaced Shakespeare. Has she written English as well as Shakespeare? No. But doesn't matter. The Department of English of the University of Pennsylvania is not committed to excellence in English writing. It's committed to diversity. And in the name of diversity, United Airlines has announced it will reserve half of its places in pilot school to women and minorities racial minorities. Does that give any woman here confidence in her future pilots? Do I care now if the pilot is female? I couldn't care less. I'm on an airplane I average every single week of the year. If it's a woman's voice that comes on, I couldn't care less. 
I continue reading no matter who talks on the, uh, on the intercom. But I'll tell you this, 10 years from now, I will care. Are you a great pilot or did you get in because you're a female? Are you a great pilot or did you get in because you're black? United Airlines announces that? You want your surgeons picked that way? By race and, by race and, and, and uh, gender? This is a war against excellence, and uh, they will be held to pay as a result. Find friends and fight the absurd. By the way, it's easier to fight the absurd when you have friends you share values with. Thank you very much. Thank you all. It's a great group, great group. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much.